This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is, a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially as you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that, that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 521, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Hello and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 521. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Wrong Wrong shot. Sorry. And Ron Richards. Hello. We're all back together and in our respective cities. Where where it should be, just far away from each other. Far away from each other. (laughs) Healthier that way, healthier. I'm snowed in. Ron is snowed in by Super Bowl goers. And and, uh, what's wrong with Los Angeles right now? Or a t-shirt to work. All right. (laughs) And there you go. (laughs) We uh, are from iFanboy. We like comic books. Uh, Every week we read a stack of comic books, and one of us picks their favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about some other books from the week. We'll talk about other things. We talk. I mean, that's mainly what this is. It's it's three three dudes talking, mostly about comics. I should have been, you know, we should have named it that instead of iFanboy. It's true. Three dudes talking, mostly about comics.com. I bet that's available. Hopefully it'll be a fun time. So uh, we are going to talk about what happens, uh, and and uh, that being the case, there will be spoilers. So if you don't know, uh, you better ask somebody. I've been reading Hip Hop Family Tree. Sorry, <laughs> Connor, you had the pick. This was a crazy week of comics. I had over twenty books, and uh, I would say most of them I found to be in the really enjoyed to really loved range. Yeah, it was it was funny because when we were when we were comparing notes about the number of books and and you said oh, I've got twenty two books to read or twenty whatever books to read, and we we talked about whether that could be either a good thing or a bad thing. Like oh, on, on a bad week, it's it's yeah. the worst thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And I actually ended up culling two books off the list. So I only ended up at twenty. Oh, okay. There you go. Right. What'd you cut? But, uh, 
Well, one one I accidentally downloaded, but I keep doing it every time. It's Uncanny X Men. I keep thinking I'm going to read it, and then I forget it's Greg Land, and then the other. <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to talk about that later on. And I cut <laughs> another one. I can't remember what it was, so I'll go back and find it. Uh, it was a DC book, I think. But um, so when I finished my stack, I was leaning towards Unfollow Number Four, but I kept thinking of other books, and oh, I really like that. I really like that scene. I like that beat. I like this thing they did. So I ended up sleeping on it because I don't have to write a review anymore. And got up in the morning, and it was still on follow number four because it's the book, maybe in all of comics right now, that I really most want to know what's going to happen next. I mean, Marvel has those childish, want to know what happens next pages at the end of all their books? And yeah, sometimes, sure, I'll want to know what happens next. But this is the one where I really, like if I had to trade for this right now, I'd spend all weekend reading it. There was one that I thought, there was one from Marvel this week, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was what happens next, and I was like, I do want to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's on the list. So, you know, I I, I thought that I was like I do. But Sorry this is work. the one where I think Rob Williams and Mike Dowling, Quentin Winter, Clem Robbins uh, really tapped into something special. I have this I think that the theme for this show has been uh, Vertigo's back for me. Like yeah. uh, between this and the next book we're going to talk about, I think they've got two super strong books, and they've got a bunch of other ones that I'm not necessarily so into, but other people are. I think this right. is I think Vertigo's finally established themselves, but they found some some some, some books. But Unfollow, I think, is one of the most exciting new books to come out in a while. And we weren't sure about it at first. And, last, and the last issue was the pick of the week. And this one is pick of the week again for similar reasons, but also because um, now the chaos has begun in the story, right? It, the last yeah. issue ended with the cliffhanger of, hey, you're all going to be billionaires, but you know, if some of you were to die, you'd all make more money. And now the, that realization has set in, and they're all on this island. And people are, start- island. <laughs> and people are starting to die, and the... What I really love about this, this issue is that the one character who we really thought was going to be a big major player, the crazy man with the beard and all the weapons, ends up being dispatched rather quickly. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like that swerve quite a bit. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I, li- I like how it was kind of like uh, it, w- it was interesting to see, you know, the, the one character who was kind of like having a wait a minute, what the hell is going on moment. Am I the only yeah. one who realizes what's happening here? Exactly. Yeah. Like the moment of clarity. And then he runs into the the, the, the militia guy who's like, good, you you don't get it. Like you get it, too. OK, great. We've got weapons. And then that, the, the moment of clarity goes like, ah, and hits him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hits him and then blows his fingers off by accident and then accidentally knocks, clunks his head on the bed now. He's, yeah, it was like a total comedy of errors. It wasn't like this elegant, you know, execution no. or taking out or anything like that. It was just like, ah, you're crazy, bonk. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was, I mean, like, honestly, like, if you had to look at it, like, oh, like the the hipster millennial guy was like, I'll take him out like they do, and hits him with the head on the gun with the gun butt. That yeah. didn't work. That did not the guy's work. Like, what are you, the guy's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to stop you. It's like, <laughs> like, I saw that playing out like in a cinematic kind of way, and yeah. I laughed. You know, yeah. yeah so yeah. It's a great <laughs> sequence. And then I love, I'm starting to really like these characters a lot, the ones we've been focusing on. I like the the Japanese author who's a cross-dresser and has um, no yeah, legs. legs. And uh, who, who's apparently his book had this exact same scenario in it, and he so he confronts the billionaire about it. I like that scene a lot. But I don't still understand the creepy mask or maybe, yeah. or maybe it's not a mask it's not a mask but it's still creepy it's super and creepy it's, it does its job really well and i think the the photojournalist is really interesting the the heiress who the millennial slept with on the plane who may or may not have murdered a guy on the beach probably did looks like she broke his neck and and also i guess this, i guess the fish could have eaten his eyes either way that was a creepy death it's just the thing and, about vertigo comics and creepy eyes if you want to back <laughs> away the guy in the mask is no corinthian but if you know you know <laughs> so uh, there's just, everything is working about this book right now, and and I, I really want to 
talk, talk about how great Mike Dowling Dowling is. He he's got a great texture to his work, and all the faces are interesting. The cinematic quality that Ron you mentioned comes a lot from the the way the art's laid out, and it's everything is working on this book right now. I do like that the drawing still remains; it's still drawing. Like you can see the lines. There's not. Mm It, it you can it looks like ink on paper and I don't know if it was done digitally or whatever but it it's like what's his name <laughs> no, don't, I don't the, know. the Thor artist we love uh, uh Isad Isad Ribic Isad Ribic is like that yeah, yeah exactly uh you know it, yeah it, like it's all there it, look, it feels very analog I feel like right. oh these these pages exist somewhere you know it, there's not a lot of Photoshop trickery or anything going on that I can see it does it, it feels that way anyway so it's, it's a very tactile yeah. And, but it's uh, it, but it's pretty minimalist. If you look in the, the yeah, shots totally. at the end of like the it's you know, it's impressionistic basically. Like it looks like there's a lot there that isn't. So if you're looking at like the the hills behind the beach, you know, it's just it's just lines. It's just that sort of cartoonish trickery. So uh, in the good way, it's great. I think if I, I had to do a top five right now, I think I'd probably put this book in it. Wow. Yeah, I think it's I, I love this book. I think it's really great. It's great. Bold. And yeah. so now the question is, you know, like the Vertigo's got a couple of books that are worth hanging on to. I'm definitely like regularly reading three or four of them, I think, um, at least three, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see. I feel like they're probably more <clears throat> financially accountable than they have been in the past. Um, uh-huh. So we'll see if people uh, respond to them. I hope this book continues. I don't know how long it's planning on going. I don't know. You know what, what the plan is, or if it'll get there. But for right now, I think it's really interesting and exciting. 140 yes. issues. I mean, if if that's is that the plan? Is that the I, I don't know. That would be a, that'd be a horrible be. I mean, plan. No, that's a long well, fucking time. It makes sense. I mean, you know, like given given the concept and given all that that sort of stuff. Um, it makes sense from a marketing standpoint, but I don't want to read yeah. this story for twelve years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it will wear out. This I don't think this is even. I don't. I don't think this is a sixty issue concept. I think this is a twenty five issue concept. I was gonna say thirty. Yeah, yeah. thirty issue concept. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, because that's the thing. Because the question is, is that like, is all the action going to stay contained to this island of the Bahamas, where where this all happens? Or if it does, then I can see it being twelve issues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it is it a locked is it a locked room scenario? I like know? the idea that issue five could just be like two weeks later, and there's like six guys left, like an episode yeah. of com- totally. like an episode of Community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's five that we haven't seen yet before. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody else is dead. No, that's great. There's just like yeah. a bloody stump robot leg and a wedding dress. <laughs> oh, that guy's hey. dead. I haven't seen you before. Well, I was in the background of this panel and this panel. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 similar to it's similar to Lost in that you know, like that that you know, we we could oh, see more out. plane passengers. You know, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the and that's the danger of it is that you you create the scenario where there's you know this locked room kind of situation where there are people and you, you know, know and, and I was about to say yeah, but there's no smoke monster. And I thought, oh right, there's that mask guy. <laughs> that, that the mask guy really is my hesitancy. And I mean, the phantom, the phantom cheetah. But I, but I find all these in- things interesting. But that's what I like about the book. Never again. Yeah. yeah. No smoke monsters. It's a lot of credit. <laughs> a lot of credit to editor Shelley Bond, who's who's. Uh, oh, she's old school though. Put it old school, but also put in just a really tough position sure. to be run, running Vertigo. Well, it's, and it's and the thing is, is that it seems to be. I mean, like Vertigo definitely hit some rough times, and then you know it seems like they kind of regrouped and they 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 made the move to the West Coast with the rest of DC, and they hired a bunch of new editors. And you know, it takes time to kind of, you know to kind of turn the aircraft carrier, you know, um, yes. you know. But I have this idea in my head that someone's like a dark, smoky room, and like Karen Berger's like sort of just reading this under under candlelight, going, "You've got it, Shelley. 
You've got it. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if it's political enough for, for Karen Berger. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's so it's, it's nice to see the, the results. And it's, it's also nice to see the volume. Um, mm-hmm. because I, I think that's, that's the real thing because it's like, it's one thing to, you know, cause I feel like vertigo was coming out in drips and drabs because I feel as if they had lost their confidence, they'd lost their sw- swagger a little bit, um, in terms of what made them vertigo. But now it just seems like every week there's not just one, but like two new vertigo series that are on there. It feels know? like a soft launch. It feels yeah, like yeah. they're not relaunching the whole line all at once, but they are putting a consistent amount of new books out on a regular basis. Right. Yeah, which is good. I mean, you need and you need to build that consistency, and you need to build that um, expectation with the readers, and yeah. and you, you need to get a couple of things that are solid, and and it seems like they're, that they're doing that. So yeah. Well, let's talk about the next book on the list, The Sheriff of Babylon, number three, from Tom King, Mitch Jared, Travis Landon. Um, this is probably I've been enjoying this book, but this is probably my favorite issue because, much like Unfollow, I don't know where this is going. Everything is a gray area, and. Um, things that I expect are going to happen don't happen or something else completely different happens. Tom and King, it's, frustr- it's frustrating uh, in a good way because that's how it is for the characters. Uh, Tom King is definitely, at least especially on the sort of creator-owned side of stuff, is not a guy who's giving you a lot to begin with. You kind of have to trust him to go along. And I found, actually not even just creator-owned, that's in a lot of the books that he's doing. You just kind of have to trust him and go. And it was mm-hmm. certainly like this first book, this first issue, I actually had a hard time grasping. I wasn't sure what I was reading or what I was supposed to be thinking. And then, like, as we go on, we're filling in a lot of those blanks. And I think that you're right. Like, this issue, I, or starting, I'm starting to get an idea of who these people are and why they go. You know, but the only reason that I'm sticking around this long on a book is because I trust the creators at, you know, at right. that point. Like, it's a gamble for them, basically. It's a long game. <clears throat> only one note I have about this that, that, didn't, that I thought was weird was... Uh... So in the opening scene, the the woman, who I don't know, who's playing both sides of the fence pretty hard, uh, goes to visit um, our main character, Christopher, and there's another dude in his trailer. And the, as they're talking, his face is blocked by the air conditioner, which I thought was a weird artistic choice. Well, it makes it easier not to have to draw the face. <laughs> I mean, see, it, 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 it sounds, sounds like a, it was a classic case of artist laziness right there. <laughs> It's page seven on the digi- on your digital copy, but uh, I loved that all these different characters have been following are starting to come together. I love the ending scene, which, um, as I was understanding what was happening, my mouth literally fell open because I, I realized what was happening in the background. Uh, I, I, this is, I mean, this this book really, I think, to me, captures the moral gray area that is the Iraq War. And as someone like Tom King, who comes from the intelligence services, it feels very authentic. It certainly does, or or I mean, I, I, even if it doesn't, I don't know the difference. Right. So it the fact like that it he is like, like I'm giving him that benefit of the doubt, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, okay, maybe this is what it feels like to be on the ground there, and I know that the guy who writes who writes this knows, so I'm I'm going to give him that, I guess. Uh, and it's and it's uh, it's effed up. It is effed up, and it's all. Uh, I mentioned it's frustrating. You don't know who to trust. Everyone sort of has their own agenda, and and it points in different directions, and. So it's so it, I don't want to say it's like the wire, but in that sense, it is like the wire in that everyone is lives in the gray. There's no black and white. Mm-hmm. And I just I find like it's very confusing. I, I mean, one of the themes I'm taking out of it, which is nothing new. I've seen this. We've seen so many things written on the middle, you know, told on the Middle East is that it's just, it's all very foreign. Like so nothing that you 
expect to be, you know, the way that we're used to and how people react or act or are t- talking or how, you know, that like nothing is what you think it is. So, I mean, just imagine how stressful that must be if you just have like this job to do. Right. And and you can't, you don't, it's not even that you can't get a straight answer. You don't even know if you're getting a straight answer. You don't. Well, that's what he's, that's the rant that Christopher goes on after yeah. he sleeps with the, the woman whose name I don't remember is that I'm just trying to help here. I don't understand what's going on. I can't, mm. fig- I can't figure out how to help people. I'm just here to help. I'm confused. And that's sort of the feeling you get as a reader is, you know, from your traditional black and white standpoint, you just the good guy's here to help and let, let him help. And, but, you know, everyone has their agendas, even the girl he's sleeping with. So, uh, especially her. Yeah. I, I I love this book. I I I, I grabbed onto pretty quickly. Um, although you know, it's it's if you're not into to moral uh, uncertitude, it's probably not the book for you. <laughs> All right, Mor- moral moral put that ambiguity. On the, you should yeah. put that on the cover. <laughs> if you're not into if you're not into moral ambiguity, this probably isn't the book for you. <laughs> this, is, this is why we keep getting those cover quotes, guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but Tom King's on a roll. Uh, this is we'll be talking about another one of his books later, and he's you know he's moving up the the, the ladder very quickly. And he certainly kind of, found or, his voice. He's he's a very talented writer. Sure. Um, so the big release this week, Spider Man number one. People were looking forward to the Miles Morales book. Which featured the creative team from the old Ultimate Comics Spider-Man book with Byron Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli, Justin Ponsor on colors, um, and, and, and Gaetano Carlucci uh, inking Sarah Pacelli. Um, or ink, ink assists. Ink assists. Yeah, which which was not on the. I don't believe it did originally because I did the artist the art did look different. Well, look, I don't know. They're if older. You realize, They're in the. I don't know if you know, but uh, people need jobs in Italy, Ron. I know. I know. And, I know. Uh, so the head- Gaetano, Father, Father Guido Sarducci, yes. and Gaetano Carlucci. <laughs> Romeldo Fulcinelli. I just want to point out that Ron Richards doesn't sound Italian, but he is, so he can say those things. <laughs> uh, and also, like, you know, she's more of a big deal now. Yeah. So she can command probably a higher page rate, afford to yeah. maybe bring somebody else in. And work a little less. Or, you know, she's doing something. Who knows? I, I, I got this, and I, I didn't really – I don't ever know what's coming anymore because I don't – I just look in on the Wednesday, and that's what there is. I was yeah. really happy to see Sarah Bichelli's name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was really thrilled about that, especially since um, on that other Bendis book, uh, Iron Man, this week, uh, Dave Marquez had been uh, – I don't know if it's, it's probably just a fill-in, but it was Mike yeah. Diodato on that. I was like, oh. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I have no idea. I don't look at the solicits anymore either or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, I, I think the Marvel style is kind of like we talked about yeah. Avengers, Avengers last week. You know, like Kubert did the first four yeah. issues. Now Ostar is doing them. And oh, yeah, so, like, totally. you, might get f- you might get four issues of Diodato on Iron Man until, you know. I, I, like, I think just, that'll be the case. Not horrible. Yeah, not hard. I mean, hey, they got to keep up the, the weekly or biweekly shipping schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when, I got, when I saw Captain Marvel, I'm like, Captain Marvel number two's out already? I was right. like, <laughs> you know, I don't so, even notice it anymore. I just yeah, figured no, that I, I just figured that is the rocket ship of time that is my life now. No, no, it's and that's every two weeks. So they comics is not helping, stressing you out. So. Yeah, okay, I totally see yeah. that. So back so, to the book at yeah, hand. What do you think? It was interesting. I, I I I've been trying to stay away from the complaints we've been having about Marvel about not knowing what's going on. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're always justified, but okay. Here, <laughs> I was confused because I thought that the whole thing was that. Miles slipped his way back into the 616 from the Secret Wars world. Yep. And so it would sort of be a man out of nope. time or out of world. And, and as we saw in the Spider-Man miniseries, the, there was something shocking that happened to the Miles Morales of the, of the 616 world. 
And so now here we basically just have a continuation of Ultimate Comic Spider-Man, but the difference being he is now an Avenger. Well, with the, no, also with the rewind is that everything with his parents are okay. Yeah, yeah, that the other thing. Which is which is a which is a a big you know because not only did not only did you know Miles end up in six one six, but his whole world basically got reset. Yeah. To to a point before things got horrible. Um, thus is the magic of Doom and Secret Wars. It's just it's weird. It's like why why do that whole thing at the end of Secret Wars where he, you know. Gets back in because of a sandwich or whatever yep. it was he gave to 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 was it molecule man? Well, Mo- yeah, molecule man. The molecule uh, man. Well, hamburger is technically a sandwich. It um, is. It is. It's two pieces of bread surrounding meat. So, you know what yeah. we should do? About ten minutes on this. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite sandwich, Josh? Are we counting a hamburger yet? Because I don't know that we've established that. Well, wait, we haven't, we haven't determined whether the ha- Are we all in agreement that a hamburger is technically a sandwich? I believe I mean, it's, it's, a sandwich, it's a sandwich family. It's like a yeah. genus. Well, it's, it's, like, it's like a rhombus. Like a, square, yeah. a rhombus is a square, but a square is a rhombus. It's a type of is. sandwich. Yes. Yeah. I believe yeah. it was originally referred to as a hamburger sandwich. Yes, I believe, I believe I so, too. Like it's, it's origins. Sort of, yeah. It's sort of uh, come out of that. that. Yeah, like it's 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 broken away from the sandwich family. Because if you say sandwich to me, I'm not a sandwich guy. I hear sandwich and I go, eh. Because well, I'm thinking well, it's like kind of cold meat and and bread. Just just to give just to give the uh, the uh, the context, you know, according to our, our the lovely Wikipedia, uh, a hamburger (parentheses) also called a beef burger, hamburger sandwich, burger, hamburg, or cheeseburger when served as a slice of cheese. So hamburger oh, sandwich that's is what that, that means. It, yeah. <laughs> what is a bacon burger? That's a, a burger with bacon. Huh, interesting. Bacon yeah. cheeseburger? <laughs> I I like I like that there's there are many claims many claims to the invention of the hamburger but no one knows actually who it is and there's at least 5 guys who claim they invented it. The Earl of Hamburg? No, no. A ham, it, used, it was a reference to a Hamburg steak. Mm. So uh, but in, in July 5th, 1896, the Chicago Daily Tribune made a highly specific claim regarding a quote-unquote hamburger sandwich in an article about a, ham- a quote-unquote sandwich car. So you know what? The thing is, this is not a light show. Uh, we have a lot of books and a lot of emails. So okay, sorry. All right. Let's get back to the book in which it's confusing that they just continued on the old series basically – uh, despite yeah, the fact they, they, making, they made a big deal of him sneaking into the new world, and yet it's just like, what if he hadn't snuck in? What if he hadn't given him the hamburger? Then, it, then what would be going on here? This goes back to what I said a couple of weeks ago, which is that, which is that um, the comics that we know, knew and love previously, they do not exist anymore. And we are not, as readers, we are not entitled to any sort of explanation, <laughs> any sort of logic, any sort of um, uh, making sense. It is purely just... Uh, them going well. Why don't we just put Miles in? In, in uh, we'll just mix everybody together and just write the stories we want to write. And okay, sure. So and we just and we can just enjoy them or not. Well, I, I get I that. I, I enjoyed this book quite a bit. It's yeah. just I was like, wait, I don't. It's okay. And that's what yep. my, that was what happened. I was very confu- I was very confused as well too. It was, this book this book did not was not a skyrocket. Oh my god, this is how great is this? It was just more like kind of huh. Okay, I guess. And, yeah, I left and, this to last because it was the most anticipated book, and yeah. I, I was expecting it to, you know, be a contender. It wasn't really. They're, a old, they're older now, considerably. Yeah, they they look older. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they. they he's, it's, he's, it's, he's skinnier. He's lanky here. I feel like yeah, we've gone fa- from like they, twelve to sixteen. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels like fifteen or sixteen. It definitely feels older. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's it's good, but it didn't feel like the same magic that it had once had. I guess. Well. So. Yeah, I mean, it's going back to a well. 
Yeah. You're gonna play around. You're gonna see if you if you if you feel it, if it's changed or whatever. We've see, all moved on. Yeah. See, to me, the interesting thing would have been a man out of world. Yeah. That would have been an interesting take on Miles. This is, seems to be the same take on Miles. Yeah. I don't mind well, that though. I don't know that I need that. I I mean, that's not why I liked it before. And a lot of times, if you're taking the thing that I like, just just do that thing. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I I enjoyed it, but I almost I, I don't know if I enjoyed it just because I was like, oh, this is familiar and I like that, or 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 you know I really liked it. Right. We'll see. You're we'll a conundrum, see. Josh. Yep. Well, well, I'll tell you what I really enjoyed. I am on board for Spidey. Spidey rocks. Spidey number three. Um, did you tell me that Nick Bradshaw was on our? Yes, that- I did. The first time we talked about this book. But oh, I don't. I, as with many things, I feel like I say on the show, you guys are probably reading magazines. <laughs> Wait, I got. Let me finish this article. Yeah, exactly. Nick um, Bradshaw is drawing Spidey, and he is awesome. And I have only one complaint, and that's the stupid head. But other than that, yes, yeah, I agree. I, I did see the stupid head, and I agree with you. No, no, I, I, I made a mental note that I got to try Spidey. I have not gone to try one or two, and but I was more like I like the idea of just picking up the issue and not having any context. And this reminded me of everything that I loved about Kirk Busiek's old Untold Tales of Spider Man, but with Nick Bradshaw art. Yes, and, and, it's, and it's, they're all one and done issues. Yeah, they're just every issue so far. He's fought a classic villain. This is a, this is basically like he's just said. It's a Peter Parker in high school story. Yeah, uh, this one's about him fighting Mysterio, and then and then the lizard, mostly the lizard, and uh, it's just super fun. And Nick Bradshaw's art is off the chain. It's fucking yeah, crazy. It's great. It's every crazy. page is packed full of details. Yeah. Did you just it's, say off the chain? Off the chain. Off the chain. Did you just pick up a hip hop dictionary from two thousand five? It's off the chain. You were the one reading hip hop uh, yeah. family tree. Anyway, I'm, so, only yeah, 80, no, I'm only on 82 right now, so things are okay. deaf. They're not off the chain yet. Fred, uh, no, I but, don't know but what's happening. And then this issue was all mostly double page spreads, and yeah. uh, just gorgeous. I mean, I, I still, I, I mean, I love Nick Bradshaw when he was on Wolverine and the X Men with Jason Aaron. Um, I think Nick Bradshaw is one of the, you know, like he, he's one of the artists I was most excited about a couple years ago, and I feel like it kind of went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really know what happened there, but I'm glad, I'm glad to see this, and it was just great, and I poured over every page, and so I'm on board. <laughs> I'm totally on board. So, Super uh, Connor, I'm sorry it took me this long. It took only three issues though, so. So, you know, yeah. I don't know who Robbie Thompson is. I thought that was a character in Spider-Man, but I guess it's a writer. Um, what's the – so, yeah. I mean, like, what's what's the – I think I looked at this at one point and thought, I don't want to read it. It's a lizard story. It's just a lizard story. Okay. Each issue is a, is a single story of, of oh. Peter Parker, young young Spider-Man, fighting a classic Oh, role. all right. And uh, this one is, least, is worth looking at for the art alone. I mean, he's been great all three issues, but this is this one really was something special art-wise. Yeah, it was really and if you're if you're the kind of person who like me who prefers Sp- young Spider-Man to be young, this is a great book for you. Well, there you go. Yep. Fair yep. enough. The next up, we have uh, we're just marveling along right now. Marvel S books, yeah. Scarlet Witch number three. Now I know I listened to the shows that I was not on finally, uh, mm-hmm. where we talked about this, and it was a uh, not my thing scenario. Yes. Um, but d- have you did you read did either of you read this issue? No. Yes, I did because I'll give you yeah, one word. I, I know exactly why. You know why? Yeah. Dylan. Yeah. You know what makes a big Con- difference? What? Dylan. Dylan. Connor, did you know Steve Dylan drew this? I did, I because I wrote the script oh, for the show. So good. It was a, it was much better, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they, they go to they go to Ireland and I, for a little bit I was like, I feel like I'm reading pretty sure. <laughs> it was definitely a touch of that. Um, you know, but it was I know there's like 
her thing now is that she's a witch, real witch, and and she's got Agatha Harkness's. Boy, that's a that's a high concept pitch that doesn't seem it's gonna go anywhere. Well, it's a lady, and she's being followed around by an old ghost lady. Okay, you know, good luck with that book. Uh, but uh, but I enjoyed it. She basically went to Ireland. It was almost like a, you know what it was. It was like a, it was like a Hellblazer issue. That's what it felt like. Not preacher. Yeah. It, it also, as I read it, as I read it, I thought, I really hope Josh is reading this because this is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's 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 Steve Dillon go uh, drawing in Ireland with like uh, with magic, like that sort of thing. I was like, this is right up Josh's alley. Yeah, yeah, no. And James Robinson did a perfectly fine job at sort of placing us there with the dialogue and then the the characters involved, and uh, it was really fun. Dillon's only around for two or three issues, I think. Um, but, I I felt I felt like it's been a different artist every issue, so I, I don't expect him to stick around. Oh, maybe it was only I just yeah, I just no, remember yeah. seeing him talking about it, uh, and then yeah. you know saying, "Oh, I'm gonna miss Wanda," and and I was like, "How many are you doing?" But I knew it wasn't I knew it wasn't many, uh, but right. it was great. It was su- it was super fun. Um, if if only for sort of that. Is it, it, it a nice part of a long story, or can I just pick up and read this one? You could just read it. You can just read it. I mean, I mean, there's a bigger thing going on, I, but, but you I, I have just barely any there... idea what it is to begin with. So yeah. Yeah, you can just you can just pick it up and read it. I think so. Town in Ireland has a ghost problem, or which which solve? We call Doctor Vickman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who would name a child Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> it was really great looking. I was really like, I was you know, when somebody whose art you really like comes along, and you haven't seen it in a little while, you always kind of go, well, I hope it's good, and like, no, it's real good. Like Steve Dillon, master storyteller. And he gets to draw in Ireland, so like it's his comfort zone too. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Super good. All right, I take a quick break to remind you that you can help out the iFanboy uh, movement. Uh, are, we <laughs> movement? are we a political movement now? We are, we are now a political movement. You can go to iFanboy.com/support, and there are multiple ways there where you can help out the movement. Uh, you can click on uh, the link to Amazon.com, and any of your purchases—comic books, video games very large televisions, whatever you want to buy, uh, we get a little cut of the sale, not from you, but from Amazon themselves. So that's actually the most, you know, seamless way for you to help out iFanboy in the process. And we thank everybody who's done that. Um, if you'd like to be help us in a little more direct manner, taking money from your pocket and putting it into ours, uh, you can sign up for an iFanboy membership for 3 bucks a month and 30 bucks a year. And we thank our members. You guys are great and you're fantastic. Uh, and uh, if you don't want a recurring, uh, recurring uh, payment, you can just give us a one-time donation. And uh, we thank everybody who's done that as well. We've gotten a couple more in this week, and you guys are amazing. And you help us keep the servers running, the downloads flowing. Um, we're moving into we're moving into movie season, so uh, you're gonna get even more comics talk from me and Connor. And maybe we'll pull in Josh every once in a while. Uh, so yeah, so go to ifanboy.com/support, and we thank you for your support. What is our manifesto? Uh, what is our platform? What do we yeah. stand for? <laughs> it's respect for women. For women, <laughs> right? Obviously. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not what we're about, but it's what it's what. Listen, I know we said we wouldn't make that joke anymore, but it was right there. <laughs> it was right there. I, I am up. so torn between wanting to join in and and saying stop doing somebody else's bit. Yeah, I'm yeah. right in the it's middle. Been of like it. at least a year. Yeah, it's I been longer that. than a year. It's a longer for. Yeah. And I, I just want you to like I I just want you to put yourself in the in the shoes of a random audience member right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would go like back and listen to the old shows. Is what they should. I believe I'm the only one still listening to that show. By the way, okay, and no, no, no. I would like to, that's that's still a thing. I would like to point out to you that they released an episode after Star Wars came out, and they had a lengthy discussion over the legal uh, issue of them suing for the use of stormtroopers hitting the floor <laughs> in the Force Awakens. Isn't it ground? <laughs> no, the floor. Stormtroopers hitting the floor. 
Well, on the sure. ground. Mike, Either way, no matter what, they are pursuing right. legal action against the Lucas people. Mike and so. Tommy's next. That's in case you don't know what we're talking about. All right, so uh, we uh, my friend, Michael Ian. <laughs> we mentioned Tom King earlier. Uh, this is his other book. We're talking about the Vision Number Four. We took a lot of flack for the time that the Vision Number One was the pick of the week because uh, Josh loved it, Ron hated it, and I was in the middle. Apparently, everyone on the show has to love the pick of the week, according yeah. to some people. But uh, I've actually fully embraced this book now. I wasn't sure in the beginning. It was a little the, the tone was strange, but now I'm really into the strange sort of not quite horror tone, but definitely sort of Stepford Wivesy. Uh, suburban ennui, but with robots tone, which I like. Also, yeah. I really loved the wife calling the husband. He's busy at work, but in this yes. case, he's busy fighting a giant monster. That was a high, that was a that was a highlight uh, for me. Is the phone conversation? No, no, I'm listening. I'm just also fighting Giganto. Yeah, I can't come home right now. Listen, we have to make sacrifices. Um, there's a weird American Beauty yes, yes, esque you know tone to this. Yeah, which yeah, I like. Uh, which I'm picking up on. Yeah, yeah. I like it too. I this know. was one. Right. Listen to you. You, you so don't want to. I like the art a lot. I like the art a lot. The story's compelling. Is this, this is the one that at the end I was like, I do want to know what happens next. <laughs> she killed a dude. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, um, well, it's, it's it's pretty big, pretty big thing that happens. Really yeah. is. And and also like it was it's one of those like she's just it's not intentional. Like she just doesn't know what she's doing, but she kind of does, and like it just keeps getting worse. And it's so uncomfortable, but it's so well done. Right. And well, it's, it, so it's, it is it's, getting worse. It's, it's it's a it's that rolling down the hill scenario, right? Yeah. So somebody saw her burying the body of the what's his name, the dude with Grim the Reaper. Grim Reaper tried to blackmail her. Really, just into leaving town, not even into giving her money. But then that snowballs into he shoots at her. But she can become intangible, so the bullets go through her and hit his son. His son has a crush on her daughter, and so then he's, he's, he gets killed. So it's all a big mess. And I love that it's, it's her big mess that she has to constantly be fixing mm-hmm. under, the, under the nose of the vision and her children. And much like, much like Unfollow, it just gets worse. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's the thing. My only complaint about this is that scene, I saw, I saw that scene play out before it happened. Like I, I like when it happened, I was like, oh, of course. Like I was, I, yeah. I, you know, yeah. So I mean, it, I definitely saw it coming. So there wasn't a lot of like surprise to it, but I do like the tension, and I also like the 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 that she just can't stay out of trouble now. Like it's a it's a it's a slippery slope. Yeah. 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 And great covers too for this comic. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the, the art I think is on um, is one of the is the is the best part of this. Gabriel Hernandez Walter. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And the cover was by Mike Del Mundo. So, um, I'm, I'm, I gotta say, I'm loving, I'm loving Nova. I was, I was sad that Jerry yeah. Duggan moved off of it, but uh, you didn't so, like the first issue for that reason. You yeah, would not, you would not give it a fair shake. Yeah, um, but uh, no, I, I, I liked it. And this issue, you know, so that he's continuing his kind of like mini team up with Ms. Marvel and uh, and Spider Man, Miles Morales. Um, as like the young kind of Avengers, and in this issue they fight the villain. You know, it seems to be Mole Man, but actually turns out that uh, Mole Man's son has revolted and taken over all the monsters and the Moloids. And there's a really, really sad scene where Mole Man cries and says, "Why is my son doing this?" <laughs> and, and like, and it was actually really, really good. And, the, and the, the theme of this, especially with the the floating, you know, the in and out nature of Sam's father, whether it's his father or not his father, all this sort of stuff. But it's this kind of father and son kind of theme um, that we see played out with Mole Man, which is great. Um, and this is the first issue, not the first issue, but this is an issue where, you know, Sam really feels 
the burden of being Nova and just how his yes. life is falling apart around him while he's trying to be a hero. It's Peter and, and Parker it's, syndrome. Yeah, really. Yeah, but but not but not a total copy of Peter Parker. No, but it's it's yeah. a common thing amongst yep. a young hero who's in school and has a family and so he spends all day fighting the Mole Men with yep. Spy- alongside Miles Morales and um, and Miss Marvel because yep. they're all Avengers together and uh, gets home and real and he just wants to pass out and realizes he hasn't done any of his homework. Yeah. And so, uh, the kid, you know, throws his helmet across the room and says he hates it. Yeah. Has, has the Nova helmet always looked like that from the side? Um, the giant star sort of pointing out. Past I, I feel like it's more pronounced with this one, but yeah, this this the black. He's got the black Nova costume, and it yeah. has been like that. Yeah, yeah. So I like the gold Nova costume. Can he can he see past that? I think so. Like, it would really affect his vision. I, yeah, I wonder if there's some sort of like he. It's like Iron Man almost, where he like sees if, through lenses, you know. But if you put your your hand to your eyebrows and then put your other hand in a T form at your nose, you would really that really would bug you. Oh yeah, no, it's really hard to see left and right. I mean, yeah. the peripheral vision is peripheral vision is really important when fighting, and uh, yeah, so. this was does he, super does fun. He get some kind of cosmic awareness or. No, that's why I think it's like Iron Man, where he's got where where he's seeing through lenses that is accounting for the peripheral. And he's, you know, like uh, you know, like there's the the helmet provides some sort of you know like goggle kind of you know function. I don't know. I I'm, thought like, you wanted, I'm I, so nerdy. I thought you wanted to talk about this book because they used the Fantastic font on the cover. They, uh, that was one of the things I saw the cover. I was like, ooh, I like I like it when you shake it up a little. Yeah, they definitely use the the, the the I fanboy font, which we uh, which we took from a Marvel. <laughs> so. We 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 bought the font. We bought the font. It's not. We did. We this legitimate. That's, yeah. That's their problem. Yeah. Um, so uh, I almost accidentally read up Kenny X number three, Rob, but I caught myself. <laughs> Yet more that? theft from Jack Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> Just squeeze every. No, he didn't do the he didn't do the lettering. Anyway. Um, so I want to talk about Kenny X number three because I I, I want to give benefit of the doubt here and I want to call praise where praise is deserved, but then also talk about the challenge and the difficulty with with reading this book at all. Um, I really like what Cullen Bunn is doing with the story. I really like it. So mm-hmm. what, what has happened is, is that even though I don't know how or what or whatever, but so there's this MPOX, you know, it's legacy virus again. It's a, it's a disease that is killing mutants um, that seems to be caused by terogenesis and, 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 um, and the inhumans and all that sort of stuff. And um, there is a group of mutants who are hunting down all of the healers um, the mutant healers. It's like they're playing Here's of the Storm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's true. Um, and so Magneto and Psylocke and Sabretooth are their little team is dispatched in this particular issue. They're trying to find Triage uh, to save Triage, and then Monet goes to Tibet to go find Zorn, and they're basically trying to protect all of the healer mutants so that they don't get killed. You know, it's just it's just an interesting dynamic, and it's an interesting story to unfold. It feels it harkens to the classic kind of X Men story that I remember and want. Um, and the only the only problem is, and I'll, and again, I'll give I'll give credit where credits due. This is not full awful Greg Land. Like there is actual like drawing. Well, that's the thing. Greg Land is a very talented artist when he's not tracing. Yep. Exactly, and and there are there are pages where I'm like, oh. This does this doesn't look awful. This doesn't look traced. This looks drawn. This looks cartooning. It's like the, either the inking or the coloring look awful. is right. Ron for my fanboy. Right on the cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then you turn the page and you get back to a big page with a big splash or whatever that looks just like the Greg Land that we we know yeah. and loathe. You know, so right. it's like. Argh. But I'm 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 sticking with it. I'm not just you know shunning it for shunning sake. And and I, I do want to give uh, Colin Bunn credit for coming up with a compelling story. So is Triage a member of GI Joe? <laughs> no. I guarantee at some point he was. <laughs> Because it sounds like a G.I. Joe medic. 
It does. Like, it really like a does. Ladder yeah. Version. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that would be confusing. Yeah. Although, wasn't there a character called Medic? <laughs> there was. There and was. Aren't you and supposed believe... to just call out Medic? And isn't doesn't that? <laughs> That's only if you get. It's only if you get hit with the kickball, and then you have to sit down and call out medic. So, so Doc and, is there, and he's like, "Nah, sorry, you asked for medic." <laughs> he's well, he's he's too busy hanging out in people's bathroom windows. <laughs> so, oh, you see, subject, oh, I barely got to that one. He's waiting for it. This subject's going to come up again in the email section, so we'll table this and talk about. We'll go back into the war corner, which we haven't talked about. This is the war corner, Garth Ennis edition, because there were. T- I, I like living in a world, guys, where. There are two Garth Ennis war comics being published. Right. Normally, he's got to scrape and crawl to get one, but now we've got two simultaneous Garth Ennis war comics. They both come out in the same week. So first, we'll talk about war comics number 16. This is his long-running st- series. He's been doing at various comic companies. He's 16 issues into the Avatar uh, run. And uh, did anyone else read this one? So I did not. Because I think that you just keep putting these here to fuck with me. So, sort of, but this was actually one of my favorite issues. All right, issues. so I, I specifically bought this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought War Stories on Comixology. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I've been waiting many hours, and it still has not shown up on the app, which I need to read it. You know, you just hit refresh, and it shows up. Yeah, yeah, I, I tried that. It isn't working. So That's something's weird. wrong. All right, well, but I, I just sp- want to point out that I tried. I, okay. I was, I was, I'm not going to let this happen to me again. Um, I have uh, the next book as well. I just have Okay, well, let's talk about that in a second. But this one, great title, Send in a Gunboat, or Send a Gunboat. And this is a, this is a story about all the light and fast boats that patrolled the English Channel during the war. Um, they're mostly made of wood, so they could move quickly. And uh, so in that, in that sense, they were, they were easy targets for being destroyed. And uh, this is about the crew of one particular gun, uh, gunboat. And it starts off with a really great sequence where they fight another a Nazi boat, which is very similar in uh, construction. They all apparently all the boats in the English Channel are very small and light. And it ends with some R and R, in which they meet some women at a bar that and they don't doesn't go does not go as expected. And this is one of those classic Garth Ennis war comics in which great war action about a, a part of the war I didn't know a lot about. Great characterizations, uh, great war history. There's a great meeting in the middle where the where the crew meets their higher ups. And so you get some of that uh, upstairs, downstairs conversation going on, and um, and then some some pub action with some ladies, and this is just like perfect Garth Ennis war stuff going on. I mean, the art is okay. there; it is what it is. Sixteen issues in, I've accepted it, but uh, this is one of my favorite stories so far in terms of character and situation that they've done so far in this particular run. Moving on to Johnny Red number four. Now, Ron, you had been reading this, are you still reading Johnny Red? Yes, I am reading this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nazis got him. Um, <laughs> what I liked about this issue a lot is that usually in these kind of stories, and what I mean is old man telling a war story about a famous fighter, usually it ends in some sort of glorious death. Here, almost as a throwaway, he says, oh, no, he survived the war. He, he made it to the end. He, he crashed his last plane, but he was rescued by the French. And that was sort of – so you know it's not that kind of story. It's not the – Tragic tale of Johnny Red. It's a it's a heroic tale of Johnny Red, and um, I like that little swerve a lot. And this this continues to be super fun. I love the art in this in this book. Yeah. Josh, you actually did read this issue. No, I tried to. I didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was sort of unaware of this, and then I saw it was on the list, but I there wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough time. We've been talking about this book. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I know. 
I like I like how in this uh, I like how in this issue we get a lot of the the storytelling the flashback we come back to the present and the guy goes so so this is what we can get to and the guy's like no 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 that's nothing to do with this but let me continue and so it's, it's like it's it's you got this guy in the present who wants to know the story about this plane and this guy and it's just getting drawn out by this old man and I like that so I like that the art looks so much like Riley Rosmo <laughs> Keith Burns I like that Johnny Red wears a weird kind of vest. Yeah, he looks kind of like a mountain man flying a plane. But uh, this is super fun too. Yeah. So that was your Garth Ennis edition War Corner, uh, not featuring Josh Flanagan. Sad. It's, with it's, it's not. It's, purported, it's not a war. It's not a war fan of war comics. Yeah. It's not Josh a war corner that Josh. I have a lot going on. <laughs> I was Let's really happy. Uh, I read my books early. I finished them all up Wednesday. I was like, all right, we're in good shape. And somebody didn't get us a list until early this morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, those so are the don't you we... point your Nazi fingers at me. You see, you do see the the shipping list every week, right? You know what's coming out. No, he, he said earlier he doesn't look. So I see. That's why. Anyway. All right. So those are the books we read this week. Go to ifanboy.com and you can comment on the uh, this episode to talk about the books you read this week. But in the meantime, uh, we want to answer your questions. Uh, you send us emails. We respond to them. Uh, and our first email comes from Patrick from Greenville, North Carolina, who says, I finished your year-end review podcast, and after thinking about it for three and a half hours, I came to the conclusion that it's way past time to read a Neil Stevenson book. While I could think about it for another three to four hours, I figured I should just ask you guys, what should my first Neil Stevenson book be? Uh, I, I imagine we're all going to have different answers. So Patrick Josh originally you- tweeted this at us and – this is yeah. not a conversation you can have in 140 characters. No, it's oh. not. I mean, yeah, just just like you can't think about it for just, you know, five minutes. Um, yeah. But luckily, we, we put in some time. We thought about it pre-show. Uh, Josh, since you are the resident self-professed Neil Stevenson president of the fan club, we'll let you start. <laughs> but what, what what book would you would you go with first? Honestly, if I had to tell you, I wish I had some more information. Because... Oh, jeez. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, your first... I mean, for me, the gateway in Neil Stevenson is, is usually... Um, Snow Crash. <clears throat> yes. It's that, that, short. That, and, and that is my recommendation. That was my, I, my Snow first. Ca- Neil- Snow Crash is mine as well. I yes. Worry, I, read, I, I read Snow Crash in 1993 or 94. See, here's the problem. It, I worry a little bit that that's too. Nope. It isn't? No, it, I think it's, it's, not a too out of date. it's a great, it's a great nope. gateway book. It's, it's, his style is there, but it's also not a thousand pages. So that, that, that's basically not, point. Yeah, I mean, it's not. getting into something too deep, in, you it, know. Yeah, and it's no more out of date than any of the William Gibson stuff from the '80s. You know, what I mean, like yeah. when I was reading Mona Lisa Overdrive in, in the early '90s, you know, from the mid '80s, I wasn't like, oh, well, actually, we have Windows now. Like, I didn't, you know, like it's it's you know, I think I think the the tech is uh, outrageous and fantasy enough that you can go with it that you don't get hung up on it. Yeah. And and th- that book is solid. That book is yeah. great. Yeah, no, so. it is. I haven't read it since I originally read it, but. Yeah. It's, that's not my favorite book, though. Like that's no, but that's a great book. introductory book. Yeah, yeah, um, that's the starting point, I think. If you like that, I would read Cryptonomicon, except it's a thousand pages. So that's wow. I would actually say Cryptonomicon's my from, favorite book. So I would from there, I would say to go to Reemd. Eight hundred. I would go. I would go. Snow Crash, Cryptonomicon, Reemd, and then uh, and then uh, the Seven Eves. I would go. I, I, you see, I don't even put Cryptonomicon in there. Cryptonomicon is the one that turned me off a lot. Crypt. Well, I mean, see, this is what this is why you got to ask the guy what he likes, because you yeah. sound see, to me. It sounds like you like the William Gibson esque, you know. Oh yeah, cyberpunk, uh, cyberpunk yeah, yeah. kind yeah. of stuff. Whereas I liked Snow Crash fine, 
I didn't love the Diamond Age, which is another sort of side. I love Diamond Age. Yeah, I didn't. It's good, but the Cryptonomicon was the one that got me because it was a combination of techie stuff and then history. And so, what you had is a story that was going on in it was late '90s, sort of tech and World War II simultaneously. And then from there, I read the Baroque trilogy. I read all the other ones in the middle, um, but I read the Baroque trilogy as those were coming out, and those are each. 1,000 to 1,200 pages, and there are three volumes, and those are taking place in the late 1700s, and there's pirates, and I, 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 when you get to the end of a 3,000-plus page story, and you're like, oh, man, I wish that wasn't over, that was me. So, again, so this depends on what kind of person you are and what you're going to like. He's got something for, for everybody, not everybody, but he's got something for some different people. Uh, See sure. the thing. The thing. I, the reason why I think Snow Crash is, is the best choice, not just the length, is because I, I viscerally remember reading this for the first time, and being done at the first page and going, "Holy shit, where's this guy been all my life?" Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you, you get his style and yes. his tone right off the bat, and if you like that, if you are, if you're one page in and you like what you're reading, because he has a very specific way of writing, yes. then you're going to be in. So that's why I think I think Patrick reads Snow Crash first. If you. If so, say that we just talked about that, and you're like, I don't know if I like the cyberpunk stuff all that much. I actually think you could start with Seven Eves. Seven. No, 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 no. I don't think so. No, no. Oh. I'm I'm too far in. I guess you're right. People who I've given the book to who have read before did not like it. I think you have to be in on him before to get to that book. That's a, that might be the most Neil Stephen C. E. book that he's written in a while. Yeah. It's not. It's the least mainstream. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I but I, I feel yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I I I don't. I'm trying to read wrestle. The Martian. Them I, no. Yeah, read the Martian. Yeah. <laughs> Martian's a great um, book too. And also, I I under I underestimate. I think we're underestimating Reemdy in that I think Reemdy is really it could be an accessible book. Like if you're worried about the a super accessible book. Yes. Yeah, Reemdy is super accessible. You know, so you Small. could. I would say either Snow Crash or Reemdy. That's my, those are my two. I mean, so, Reemdy was yeah. described as him trying to do like a diehard in his style. And he did it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't read Anathem first. No, I would never read Anathem. I would forget it existed. I liked it. It was terrible. I'm a super fan, though. Was it terrible? I didn't yeah, like the li- first I, I liked one chapter of it. Huh. The rest I could not stand. I liked it a lot. Well, not, it's not my favorite, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, but Cryptonomicon is my favorite Neil Stevenson book. So, oh, I want to hang out with Bobby Shafto all day. All right, next email. Aaron from Boston, Massachusetts says, I've thought about this question quite a while now, years even. Really thought about it. I love that this is every email starts with this. It's really, everyone's really embracing it, which I, I, re- I just got to applause it. I got to applause. Right. So, yeah. I've thought about this question for quite a while, years even. Really thought about it, but it's time to stop ask, it's time to stop thinking and ask, why aren't you guys reading Transformers versus G.I. Joe? Has this, has this book been coming out for years? <laughs> yeah, it has, actually. <laughs> I recall that none of you are into Transformers, but the G.I. Joe factor of this book alone should make it a must-read. The G.I. Joe segments have always been some of my favorite parts of the show, and if you started a regular G.I. Joe corner segment, I would be elated. I don't think Nemesis Enforcer has been in the book yet, so that might be why you're holding off. But come on, it's only a matter of time. I, I don't I, – I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. We, we Earlier in the show, we made a joke about G.I. Joe. We made a joke about Doc in, in a window. I, I love that. I do not want. I do not want. Uh, what should we call it? Um, new GI Joe Transformer stuff. I want. I, I want to move on. I don't want. I don't want to live in nostalgia. It's we've nice been, to. 
Is I, wait, 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 I don't want to live with nostalgia. What have you been doing for 10 years? <laughs> this is a man who has complex thoughts on Lobot. <laughs> yeah, true. Listen, all right. I've got limits to the amount of nostalgia I want to live. You know, <laughs> you blocked out your nostalgia, and that's not included in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That can exist as it was in the past. I mean, the, the we we petered out in those GI Joe books. We were all into those new yeah. ones. GI Joe Cobra was a legitimately great book. Um, GI Joe Origins. We read all those things, and then we just we just sort of petered out. That on was them. enough. Yeah, that's totally. Really- that's exactly the right term. Um, and I, 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 I don't, I don't care about the Transformers. And the second that you take the fun thing about GI Joe for me as a kid, and now, and as it was always that it wasn't fantastical, or wasn't supposed to be anyway. I mean, it was like as a kid, at least it felt like it was somewhat realistic. And then those GI Joe Cobra books were were very grounded. And Transformers are not that. I know they're both from Hasbro, but other than that, like I don't, you don't those those are not chocolate and peanut butter to me. And so I tried to read a couple of the sort of I'm you tried just, those Mike. Those, was it Mike Costa or the Transformers books? Yeah, there are also? a handful of Transformers books that over the year that have been pretty pretty beloved and critically lauded. I think it was a Megatron book that everybody – and I just don't care when I read them at yeah. all. And Michael Bay did not help. Yeah, Michael Bay heard a lot. I remember even as a kid – I liked the Transformers cartoon a lot as a kid. I watched yeah. the hell out of that. And the toys, obviously. But like, if you look back at my old comic collection before I gave it away – you know, I had every G.I. Joe book, but I had only a handful of Transformers books. Even as a kid, I didn't really get into the Transformers comics. I couldn't yeah, afford I that really many of the toys. Transform- I, yeah, I never really got into the Transformers comics as much. I was more into the cartoon, um, yeah. you know. But but even then, you guys were more into the G.I. Joe comic recently than I was. Like, I, ne- I mean, honestly, I never – I sampled a little bit. But, again, like, I, I feel like I've only got so much nostalgia bucket to fill, and it just there's not enough room for G.I. Joe Transformers. Basically, when Andy Schmidt was editing G.I. Joe books at IDW, they were really good. Yeah, so they were they were legit good books. They were, yep. and yep. so and that end of story. He's the one guy who made it work. So yep. other than that, we enjoyed watching the cartoons and playing with toys as kids, and that's that's really the extent of our fandom. Yeah, and so and the I'm, fact that shipwreck sounded exactly like Jack Nicholson, a bad Jack, as Nicholson. being done by Christian Slater. Yes, <laughs> which is what Christian Slater was. Uh, All right, sorry. It's time for one more email, Ralph. Right, do we- uh, from Hampshire, England, said, I'm 24 now. I've been reading comics since I was 13 years old. Hopefully thinking about that the whole time. I actually got into them right at the start of New Avengers. I've been hooked ever since. Uh, recently, I'm starting to feel like comics just aren't aimed for me anymore. <laughs> oh, now you're a comic book reader. There's words, <laughs> like, there's words like mansplaining in them and jokes and memes that just go over my head. And a couple that I that don't, but I, I only know because somebody was moaning about on them about Tumblr, which I'm still not really sure what that is. The, I have comments. The characters feel like they're being written t- to try and appeal to teenagers, and that's fine. It was the case in the 90s, but I didn't really feel like that during the mid-2000s. Back then, I just was they were just trying to feel good, classic, tell good classic stories. Whoa, slow down. Slow down. Take a breath. I did. You're falling off the rails. Back then, I thought they were just trying to tell good classic stories. He has a typo there which threw me off. I reread Ed Brubaker's Captain America run, and I didn't feel like, wow, this is clearly aimed at a certain age group. So reading Marvel and DC as three people who are a lot older than me, go fuck yourself, are starting to feel isolated. By well, them. it doesn't have to be mean about it. Well, I don't think he was mean about it. I think He's, you're reading into that. We are a lot older gone, than him. Yeah. We're 15 years old. <laughs> Do you think lot, trying yeah. to appeal to a specific age group gets in the way of telling a good story? Do you feel like the classic superhero magic is being lost at the moment? Anything reassuring? You've helped me so much when it comes to loving comics. Please let me know what you think about this. I, I I think that there's that uh, no I think that 
I, first of all, he's like the oldest 24-year-old I've ever I, heard I of. was going to say, yeah, as I, I know, read through yeah, this, true. I was like, I have never related to a person under 25 so much in my yeah. life. Yeah. I, 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 I don't I, – I agree and I don't agree, Ron. I want to hear what you have to say before I, I counter. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I don't agree with everything that he says in terms of how he's, how he's interpreting it. I think what's happening is, is that I think that a lot of that stuff was written within the time and in the same way that if you go back and read – any Marvel comics from the 60s and 70s, they read of the time. 80s, 90s, they all... Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And so I think that this is just a byproduct of the time that those comics were written in. I don't feel like they were targeted. They were just written at that of that time. That's my thought. So. I, I, very agree, good point. I agree with that to an extent. I do also think that he's right that in the mid-2000s, it felt more like classic comics. But also, I don't think they're being written for teenagers now. I think what I think what is happening is that there's a large segment of the comic writing group that is writing for the Twitter audience because they spend so yeah. much they spend so much time on it yeah that they're sort of in their own little bubble yeah and so everything that the comes up on Twitter generation Boom. yes everything ends up in those books written by a certain group of people who will spend all their time on it I, I do think I do see that happening um, I do sometimes think they forget that there's a larger world outside of Twitter that read their books and you know don't get the jokes or don't or the references and don't want to read that, you know, those kind of stories. I definitely do see that. At least I, from my opinion. I really like what you said, Ron. It, it, there's a voice and a style and, and a thing that sort of happens in each era. And all those comics in the mid-2000s, a lot of those were by guys. I'm going to say guys because they were. Uh, who, you know, sort of idolized the comics of the 70s yep. and 80s. And so they were doing a modern take on that, which was... There was a realism to them, but it wasn't the gritty darkness of the 90s. Mm -hmm. It was... It, it was grounded. It, yeah, it was grounded, but it was sort of relatable. And now this next... And so then the next step was to try to make them more fun, I think. To try to make them more like, say, the Avengers movie. Not specifically, but that kind of tone. Mm -hmm. And so that partially succeeded, but what it brought along with it was a, a modern sense of humor, which is actually a postmodern sense of humor... Which is something that I have noticed that like like whatever the mainstream cultural form of humor is right now, I feel like is leaving me behind to a certain extent. But that's you shouldn't feel like this at twenty four, but God bless you. Right. But you're feeling I mean you're seeing that there's a there's a there's a tone and I think that's a they're trying to they're trying to get an an audience that they're also part of. Right, and, and and it's very much a contemporary artist, and they no one writing. You know, Ed Brubaker is a great writer, but in two thousand six, he was not thinking how is this going to read in twenty in ten years later in twenty sixteen. And also, I don't think that book does well now. Which one? Captain America: Winter Soldier. Oh, totally does. Does it? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. come out. It doesn't it does. have the same tone to it. I feel like yeah. Ed Brubaker. Well, you yeah, I mean, then that's audience. Then, it's, then and, it's not that book. I think if you if you've yeah, written that yeah. tone, I think it comes out now. It's still going to do really well. Yeah. Well, everybody be like, right. I've read this before. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I really do think there's, there's a segment of the comic population that spends too much time on Twitter. And it's Absolutely. Leading into Absolutely. their work. Absolutely. Yeah. So. All right. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us and get in on the conversation, as they say over at Twitter. Great and emails this week. Yeah, really great emails. Yeah, good job. Good job, everyone. Bravo. Uh, Thank in a God. Post in a vo post-voicemail world. Keep them coming. Uh, we definitely want to make more time for them to make sure you're, you're getting a voice on the show. So uh, please keep them coming. Email contact at ifanboy.com. And don't forget to tell us who you are and where you're from and how long you thought about something. So 
in the meantime, we have other podcasts. We've talked about other stuff that you're going to want to go download and listen. If you haven't gone back in the feed and if you're if you're into the Flash and, and Arrow and, and superhero TV shows, you're going to want to go back and listen to Connor and I discuss DC's Legends of Tomorrow premiere. Um, we are three episodes in and I'm hooked. So that's your little teaser. So you can hear us talk about the first episode. And uh, Connor, how are you feeling about it? I love it. I thought, love it? I thought yeah, the second. I haven't watched three yet because I was out of town. But the second episode was bonkers and awesome. Yeah, it was great. So uh, yeah, so good stuff. Good, good stuff. So uh, go download that uh, if you need some more listening stuff. So uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that this is we're entering that part of the year where there's going to be a lot of special edition shows because there's lots of things coming out. So in addition to this Legends of Tomorrow show that Ron just mentioned, we just recorded a Batman Bad Blood show. Me and the Animation Brain Trust, Paul Montgomery, came back, and Ryan Haupt, who you know was not biking at the time, we. Got actually ended up talking an hour about Batman Bad Blood, the latest DC Universe animated original film. Only half an hour on the film, and then a half, almost a half an hour on my angst with the current state of the Batman world. So, if you're, which is you, worth it just to listen to that, you, if you want to hear that, uh, listen to our Batman Bad Blood podcast right behind. You haven't said here. Yeah, I've been holding back here actually. Huh. I don't want to be too negative. Uh, so, if you want to hear my thoughts on that, it's the show on the feed right behind this one, and then coming up. In just about a week, I guess, will be our Deadpool speculation show. We don't know how that's going to work or who's going to be on it, but look for, you can look for that soonish. comes out next Friday, so it'll be sometime that weekend. Yeah, and if you like uh, us talking about movies that aren't about comic books, I've got good news for you. Uh, we do another podcast, a daily uh, show called Goodfellas Minute, and it is exactly what that sounds like, where we, each weekday, talk about one minute of the film Goodfellas. Uh, we have, uh, we're, we're getting, we're in the last third? Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah we're in the last third, yeah. yeah. I think that's about right. We're um, almost in the last home stretch. We're almost there. Yeah, but you can go back and listen to it from the beginning. It is timeless content, but uh, we love this movie, and we love talking about it, and laughing about it, and uh, examining it in all different ways, and uh, it's, a, it's a good deal of fun. So make sure to check out Goodfellas Minute at, get this, goodfellasminute.com. My favorite email we get on that is, so what are you doing next? Jesus, let us finish this one. Yep, exactly. Yeah, we got that email on episode two. <laughs> <laughs> Head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show. Find all those other podcasts we just talked about other than Goodfellas. You can talk about this week's books. You can talk about Batman Bad Blood. You can talk about Legends of Tomorrow. You'll be able to talk about Deadpool. And then soon enough, you'll be able to talk about Batman versus Superman, but we're not going to talk about that right now. And uh, all that's happening on ifanboy.com. You can follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter. That's where you can find out what the uh, pick week is going to be before the show comes out. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan, C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ronick. So. Do you think people realize that doing a daily 20-minute podcast is a lot of work? <laughs> do they, Do they, Josh? I don't think no. they do. Well, but in the same way that we don't realize that making a weekly superhero TV show is a lot of work. I mean, we I, all, we all I, have our cross the bear. That's I all. definitely realize that's a lot of work. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, finally, if you recognize that this is a lot of work and you and you appreciate it, uh, do us a favor and help spread the word. Uh, you can go to iTunes and write a review that helps other people discover this podcast. Um, or better yet, you know, tell your friends, introduce your comic book store or comic reading buddies or anybody else that you'd like. Say, hey, you know, there's a podcast you should listen to. Check it out. It's called iFanboy. You can find it at iFanboy.com um, and help us spread the iFanboy word, and we appreciate it. That's how we keep the iFanboy movement motivated and moving forward forget forever forward so yeah all right so we'll, we'll have our political platform all set to go next yes week. what we what we stand for it'll yeah, be terrific about. you're gonna be you're gonna <laughs> there's gonna be so much comic book winning you're gonna be sick of it <laughs> i've heard all another right. guy doing i'm trying to just i think i think yeah. i got a good strategy here it's terrific. all right what's well, that jam-packed show this week thanks for listening until next time i'm connor i'm ron we got people on this comic book i'm hearing a lot of really good things 
hearing good things. <laughs> it's going to be terrific. 